And it's chainsaw guys, dude. Oh, great. That's fucking ridiculous. I think we probably had to kill this guy at some point. Oh my fucking god. Ooh, killed the chainsaw guy. Clutch. Double knee drop. Double clutch. Boop, boop. I'm this out, goes out I'm to out all the juggalos, juggalettes. Whoop, whoop. It's just a juggalettes. <laughs>
not to mention so many movies have been inspired even if uh, only somewhat by lovecraft uh, alien uh, like many people point out is uh, much like his his short story at the mountains of madness just in terms of uh, concept and the structure of the plot and things like that i mean hell, even thing, well, even his visuals by geiger dude it's it's like a mm-hmm. a cyberpunk version of lovecraft's visual style too you know exactly you also have great movies like the thing that heavily draw influence from the the other coming to to earth and you can't quite understand it but you try and fight against it as best as you can but we can talk more about that later on i did want to preface it uh, by also saying that though i'm not a particularly well-read person i would consider hp lovecraft to be my favorite author and i feel like that takes at least some amount of explaining because anyone who's taken even a surface level look into Lovecraft's life and his writing know that he had some uh, questionable worldviews even for his time. I want to say that not to be a devil's advocate or anything like that and obviously I don't approve or excuse any of the things that he he did write about certain races or ethnic groups or anything like that but you got to take a look into the guy's life. Dude grew up in a rich household that in time, eventually declined just due to financial issues and things like that. But he had all that stuff instilled in him when he was a little kid. You know, just the, the white bread, oh, we're better than everybody because we, have, we come from the old world and we have money kind of thing. But also, Lovecraft had to deal with a lot of things in his life. His dad died when he was really young from syphilis and had a lot of mental issues because of that <laughs> before he died. And then his mom, when he was fairly young as well, also got locked up in a mental institution and there's various stories about weird things that she would do with her son and stuff like that and her death in the mental institution is what originally inspired him to write the call of cthulhu which is his most iconic work of all time i think but you go along with that you go along with how he was raised and he was just a guy that just had a lot of anxiety and just pent-up worries and things like that (laughs) not to mention he was a bit of a hypocrite he would say things about basically every ethnic group you can think of who wasn't white bread puritanical but yet he married a woman even if albeit briefly who was jewish and even though he said he would never move out of his home state he'd moved to new york apartment and stayed there for a couple of years so i think with lovecraft it was more just he needed the right people to to talk to him and let him know that his worldview could change to in order to uh, get him out of that headspace i like to joke with my friends that if if lovecraft was born in the modern day and age he probably would have been a 4chan poster just one yeah. of these <laughs> secluded guys who just have all these messed up viewpoints about the world and buy way too into these conspiracy theories about the government and politicians and things like that just because he just is isolated and he doesn't talk to a lot of people outside of just writing he had a lot of pen pals but i don't think he he hung out with people all that much oh he'd definitely be tricking old people on facebook into like (laughs) (laughs) crazy conspiracies man exactly (laughs) uh but at that same time in that same mode of thinking about it i feel like had he changed his viewpoint he would have lost a lot of that edge a lot of that inspiration that he drew on for his work because that that loneliness that xenophobia and that anxiety is what he he used to create and to dream up all of his different creations a lot of his work like uh, shadow over insmith is born out of his his fear of interbreeding quote unquote Mm-hmm. I've read that it, it it was inspired because somebody told him that one of his distant cousins married another like white ethnicity that wasn't puritanical or something like that, and that just terrified him. But 
that all being said, as I said, he drew upon that, and, and he, I think all the stuff that he experienced on a near daily basis, it fueled his writing, and it allowed him to tap into what I think is a, a sort of primal fear of just people in general, and that's the fear of the unknown. There's a, a quote that's often attributed to him, that the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. And the unknown is exactly what this week's film is about. This is going to be Richard Stanley's 2020 film, Color Out of Space. Before we begin, do you have anything else to add, Billy? Uh, no, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm really excited to watch this now after all that. Hell yeah. Let's just get right into it then. Heck yeah. West of Arkham, the hills rise wild. There are valleys with deep woods that no axe is ever cut. There are dark, narrow glens where the trees slope fantastically. Where thin brooklets trickle without ever having caught the glimpse of sunlight. to the hills and vales to survey for the new reservoir. They told me the place was evil. They told me this in Arkham. And because that is a very old town, full of witch legends, I thought the evil must be something which grandams have whispered to children through centuries. westward tangle of glens and slopes for myself and cease to wonder at anything besides its own elder mystery. start the film opening with a quote from the original short story with shots of a dreary wood to go along with the opening quote is a, a cool synth track this whole movie has a very interesting uh, quality to the to the sound work it reminds me of uh, there's gonna there's gonna be any day now there's gonna be a, an uzumaki anime uh, <laughs> uzumaki being a story by Junji Ito, who himself was also inspired by Lovecraft. And Uzumaki especially is, is very cosmic horror influenced. And there's a trailer for Uzumaki that has a lot of... The, the track they use for the trailer has a lot of similarities to the music within this film. If you want to go and check it out, it's it's fantastic. The funniest thing you say about that is I'm actually like currently reading Uzumaki, <laughs> and like yeah. as soon as the credits rolled, I I spun my chair around and, and I looked right at the book and I was like, I'm checking more of that out. Same vibe, <laughs> same same f crazy vibe. Exactly, that's oh, so good. But we fade out of the the dreary dark of woods 
over to a young woman next to a, a lake or a river, I believe it is. She's in some robes and cloaks. She looks like a, a typical Wiccan or one of those hippie cultist types. She's in the center of a stone circle enacting some sort of a cult ritual, saying how she is doing this for her mother who has cancer. She's also desperate to just get out of this place that she's in. And sneaking up on her is a man with a bag. He's got a, a shirt on that says Miskatonic University, which is another uh, wink at Lovecraft fans. Miskatonic University is a recurring university in the, the city of Arkham in the Lovecraft universe. Mm-hmm. And he sneaks up on her, and she freaks out. She's initially pissed, because it's just this guy, and he's on p- uh, private property, but nobody apparently had told him. He thought it was public. She's telling him how it's public until they get to the side of the river, and it's owned by her family. Yeah. And she's, she's freaking just, out. She's more mad yeah. just because he ruined a ritual than, than anything. Exactly. So she's freaking out, and she's packing up. But he, he decides to ask her what kind of a, a ritual it was. And she asks him what he thinks it is. And he, he says it's Wiccan, I think. And she tells him that's the second thing he got wrong today. <laughs> and it's, it's the funniest thing, just a recurring theme in all of Lovecraft's work, is if you're an academic type, of course you also have at least some amount of cursory knowledge of the occult as well. Uh-huh. But this guy, this guy is a water scientist, a hydrologist. And so I don't know what a hydrologist is doing just in his spare time looking at Wiccan <laughs> rituals, but whatever, I guess. I mean, she was super turned on by it, dude. She was stoked as soon as he said it, exactly. even though he got it wrong, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a, a budding romance between these two. There's a bit of a sexual tension. What now? Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm Ward Phillips. I'm doing a survey of the valley for Hydroelectric. The Hydroelectric Company. Cool story. Well, thanks for ruining my ritual, Ward. Ritual? Yes, ritual. You know, will, intent, blessed be. Is it Wiccan or Alexandrian? Which do you think? Definitely Alexandrian. That's your second mistake today. Stick to the East Bank and you'll find your way back. Yeah, I will. Thanks. Hey, uh, I didn't get your name. Lavinia Gardner. I live out here, unfortunately. We also learned that her name is Lavinia. She rides back on her horse, and the house that her family lives at is massive. It's this two-story complex with an attic as well. And her dad is the one and only legend, Nicolas Cage. Hell yeah. The man who needs <laughs> no introduction. Uh, I was going to save it to the end for trivia, but I think a lot of people who criticize this movie think that his performance in it is a little too goofy, or a little too out there for what the film is trying to do. I tentatively disagree. I think it adds to the sort of surrealness that the movie's trying to build up. And he just has so many just wonderfully goofy freak out moments in this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, he goes through various levels of Nick Cage in this. Uh, yeah. I, I have a trivia on that. Did you have the same one? Uh, go ahead and say it. Yeah, so the trivia on that that I had is that Richard Stanley, the director, his favorite Nicolas Cage movie was Vampire's Kiss, which is an awesome movie, by the way. <laughs> and he told Nick Cage to keep 
that same acting style for this movie, which is like the wild over the top lunacy that he becomes later on, you know, it's, That's it's, awesome. yeah, it, yeah, it's fucking amazing. So yeah, I could see where this comes from and, and me being like an old fan of Nick Cage, like uh, the more he ramps it up, the more I get jacked, dude, I'm stoked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna, he has a name. I think his name is Nathan, but I'm just going to refer to him as Nick Cage. Cause, you must. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, his wife, though, the mom, uh, she has a name, too, but I'm just going to keep calling her the mom. Mm-hmm. She's a bit conservative because she, she refers to, well, she's asking Lavinia where her brother is. And Lavinia is saying how she's probably out smoking with the neighbor. She refers to weed as dope and the neighbor as a, a hippie retrobate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the brother's name is Benny. Turns out he was out smoking, but he was in the family barn. And the, the family keeps alpacas. It makes about as much sense in context, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> they have a younger brother. His name is Jack. He's a bit eccentric. He seems to be fulfilling the role you see in a lot of horror films where he's the, the special child who seems to have some sort of sixth sense about the whole situation. She runs into him when she's heading back up to the house after talking to the stoner brother guy. Right. And he's just staring at the well. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm staring in the into the stars. And she's like, uh... Later, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing's even happened yet, either. He's no. just, just weird. But we get back inside, and we learn that Nick Cage is a bit of a homebody. He's cooks for his family. He he works off the farm as a, a farmer. He doesn't have, really have a real job or anything like that. He also dotes on his kid more than the mom does. And he cooks them a, a French dish that has <laughs> duck and stewed vegetables and things like that. Lavinia hates this. She just wants to go get McDonald's. More so because she just doesn't want to be around her family anymore because she's just a moody teenager than anything yep. else. But we have a really weird exchange between Jack and Nick Cage because he's he's telling them the history about the, the dish and how duck is a, a delicacy in France. And Jack sucks, says that he loves ducks and Nick just turns to him and smiles and says, Everybody loves ducks. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Cage has like the weirdest lines in this movie, man. But he's so good at at, at uh, portraying them. Exactly, just being a weird dad. <laughs> yeah. But we cut to the mom. She's some sort of stock advisor, or she essentially advises rich people of how they're meant to spend their money. One of my friends is something like this, and she tried to explain it to me once, and I just had no clue what the hell she was talking about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just a convenient way to explain why, part of the reason why this family is so rich and why she's able to just stay at home and not be absent for most of the film. Even though her yeah. office is in, like, this empty attic with nothing but <laughs> her desk. <laughs> and... desk and a computer. Yeah, yeah no, no decorations, no shells, nothing. Yeah, no, no posters, no pictures of her kid or anything mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> she just has to have full concentration, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, we also have a bit of a foreshadowing here as she says to Nick Cage that he's got to fix the router because things keep coming in garbled and he keeps saying, oh, I'll fix it tomorrow. I'll take a look at it. Right. We learn that Nick bought the alpacas and he tells the kids that they're the animals of the future. <laughs> <laughs> and his fam- we get shots of his family just pausing and looking at each other like he's just out of his gourd. Yeah, his daughter's like, you shave them, dude. Like, nobody wants to buy them. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> no, this is yeah, a great Nick, business Nick, idea. He- exactly nick says he's, he's raising them for for meat essentially yeah <laughs> and, 
<laughs> Nobody eats alpacas, but anyway. His wife says that he should go down to the cellar to, to get some of the, the vintage stuff. So he goes down there, and they have this massive wine cellar with just tons and tons of bottles just carpeting the walls. Uh, we find out later that Nick's dad was actually a winemaker, and he, he inherited the estate and the farm and everything like that, but he didn't want to go into the, the dad's business because they, they had a bit of tension with each other. He didn't want to end up being like his dad. But we cut to outside, Nick Cage and his wife, they're out on the deck, and she, he's macking on her, he's super horny for her, and she's trying to push him away because she feels inadequate because she's old, but also we learn that she has cancer as well. And we get this weird exchange with them where he says that he's always been a leg man. So she <laughs> says, well, what if my legs got caught up? Would you still love me then? He says, well, it's kind of kinky. I'll have to think about it. You know, I could <laughs> stick you in my suitcase and carry you around that way. Yeah. <laughs> he's just trying everything to make her feel better so he could put his wiener in there. That's yeah. Really yeah. It's been six months. Don't you think we should try? I I don't know how you can still be interested in me. You know, I've always been a leg man. <laughs> so if I have my legs cut off, you still love me then? Bit kinky, but... Yes. <laughs> I could tuck you into my carry-on luggage and enjoy you wherever Ooh, I go. Now that is sexy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look at this. Look at us. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. Yeah. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream. No. The dream you dream alone is just a dream. The dream you dream together is reality. We're winding down. Everybody's back in their rooms. Everybody's got their nightly routine to go to, to bed. Find out that the bro really likes space stuff. He's constantly looking up things about stars and black holes and things like that on his computer. And he's got a telescope to look up at the stars and this and that. M- maybe more of a fascination with him just being a stoner than him being legitimately interested in astronomy. But It definitely knows. helps. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But Nick, he's still trying to mack on, on the mom. They're in bed just grinding up on each other. We get this sad subplot through the whole film where apparently she has cancer and she just feels like degenerative and, and worthless and stuff. And like you said, he's just staying and doing everything he can to make her feel better and to just get, get up in that. Well, it's because she doesn't have boobs anymore. So, uh, yeah, she had her boobs cut off. That's why she yeah. mentioned the leg thing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. A lot of a lot of small details in this movie, actually. That you'd... Yeah, I just assumed yeah. that's when she said she wasn't like a complete person. They must have removed yeah. them. Or... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, while they're doing that, Jack senses that something's off as a pink light starts to fill the, fill the area. It's creating a bit of a kaleidoscopic effect, and Jack is sitting in the middle of the hallway. The dog starts freaking out. He's growling and showing his teeth. We get this really cool, quick succession shots of what everyone's doing as the uh, the light starts washing over them, and Jack's screaming, and everything's going all crazy. Turns out it was a meteorite, and it's crashed right in front of their front lawn. And apparently it smells bad. Nick describes it as a, a dog that got lit on fire. Well, the wife, even when they first see the meteor, the wife even... Right away, she mentions that uh, Jack is being a little weird. 
Yeah, because yeah, because Jack is catatonic at this point. Uh -huh. So they take him in and sit him on the couch, and we get this really cool wide shot where he's in the center frame, and everyone else's voices are all muffled, like we're supposed to be experiencing this from his perspective. I love that shot. It's so good. Uh huh. And then finally, once he finally speaks, everything goes back to normal. All all the audio goes back to what it is regularly but but nick he's he's so overwhelmed in this situation he pours himself a glass of bourbon <laughs> the wife gets all pissed off and takes jack away this really starts <laughs> unrattling or unraveling dude he's yeah. he's leveling up the cage at this point <laughs> yeah i think his response is something like uh, it seems like the best thing to do in this kind of situation uh-huh yeah he doesn't know how to deal with anything he like you said he's just a homebody guy mm. and for some reason the, the next day he invites the mayor out and the sheriff and they, they come and look at the meteor. He, he, he even tells them when they're asking him what happened. He says that him and his wife, they were just boning in the yeah. bedroom. It's been and a few months, suddenly, you know. <laughs> and suddenly there was just a bright flash outside. He initially describes it as pink, but then decides that he doesn't really know what it was or how to describe it other than it was a color. Something metallic down here. What the hell happened here? Well, it was last night. I was in bed with my wife, and it was the first time that we, you know, since the operation, and then there was this boom, like like a, like a sonic boom and a big flash, <clears throat> like a pink light. Or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before, and then everything just blew up or fell from the sky. <laughs> Ward is the the name of the hydrologist. I kept writing his name down as Warren. I think maybe that was his last name or something like that, but regardless, his name you is did, Ward. You did more than me. I put survey dude. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, it, it changed to science dude. So. Yeah. Well, his name's Ward. Uh, another funny thing about him is that he seems to have the same costume throughout the whole movie. At least I don't remember him ever changing clothes. He just has a, a white overshirt and the Miskatonic University shirt underneath. But, mm -hmm. Regardless, he shows up again, and Lavinia is laying it out on thick this time. She's asking him if he's staring at her legs and dragging him around by the hand and stuff like that. Nick looks him over, and he's doing the dad thing. He disapproves. He yeah. mockingly jokes that he's from Boston, but Ward says actually he's from Providence, which Providence, Rhode Island, is uh, Lovecraft's hometown, so that's another nod ah. to the Lovecraft fan face. The mayor, though, she's a huge bitch, and she says how she's going to make a big news story about this. Uh, turns out her plan is she wants to create a dam and flood the whole valley that the family is in to create some kind of water plant or something like that to provide energy, or I forget what the details are. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, now Nick Cage like kind of wants to test the guy a little bit. Mm -hmm. He tells him, he's like, hey, we're going to go get some milk from the goats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and he's he's slowly and awkwardly showing how to milk an alpaca <laughs> oh it's awesome dude Ward is just super sketched out by this whole thing <laughs> nick offers him some some fresh milk and he makes him an excuse about he's <laughs> lactose intolerant and nick just drinks it straight in front of him and the mom takes lavinia inside and she's concerned about how thick she's laying it on with ward she basically is one step short of just calling her a whore and now she's just oh, throwing yeah. herself at him so lavinia just gets pissed and runs off to her room she's really upset she's got herself locked in and she's just blaring music and just crying which just goes to show just further why she wants to get at her her parents are just dicks about everything and they clearly don't understand her or even want to try and level with her or anything like that. Well, I feel like every teenager had this exact moment in their life anyway. At least the headphones right. and their ears blasting and parents being stupid. <laughs> exactly. 
But the the brother, Benny, he shows Ward to the neighbor. He was played by another acting legend, freaking Chong of Cheech and Chong fame. Damn right, Tommy and Chong. Tommy Chong. He's also got a name, a really cool name. I think it's Ezra. But yep. I'm just going to keep referring to him as Chong because, oh, I mean, he <laughs> plays the same character in every movie. This is the... This is we had uh, the other... I guess what it'd be duo or pair. Remember we had yeah. uh un- from Dustal Dawn? You had uh yeah. Yeah, Cheech. Cheech Cheech from Dustal Dawn. Yeah, now we got <laughs> Tommy Chong now we in got, this one. Now we got Tommy Chong. Yeah. We got eventually we're gonna watch a movie where they're both together. But oh yeah. Until that day. <laughs> Chong only plays one character in this movie though, and not four, like in From Dust Till Dawn. Oh right. But anyhow, uh Chong, he's got an amazing, just the most ideal setup. He's just got this wood shack in the middle of the woods. He's got cameras set up everywhere because he's kind of a paranoid stoner type, but he's also got a, <laughs> a satellite dish for watching TV. And it's all solar power too. He's completely off the grid, like Benny points out. They roll in and it's like an old camper has like hubcaps all over it and stuff and he and he's inside, he's got like eye paint makeup on <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and he's got like a bunch of like audio equipment and shit. Mm. He's got multiple Dude, TVs set up and a recording equipment and stuff. Dude's a baller. He's like an '80s version of me. Let's be honest. Like I'm just as <laughs> chaotic. It's just cooler looking shit. Oh, it's so good. But Chong, he gives uh, gives Ward some water from the wells, and Ward points out that it, it looks a little off. It's a little discolored, and he offers that he can take it back to the lab to do some tests on it because he's he's not quite sure that this water is is up to snuff. That shit was uh, brown. I thought it was coffee yeah. at first. Yeah, yeah. Chong tells him it's right from the earth, and Ward <laughs> tells him, "Well, regardless of that, don't drink the water." Yeah. Hey, my apologies for the Adam's ale. Here you go. <clears throat> yeah, the H two O has gone a little brackish. Yeah, I can't. I can't smell anything. It's probably just rust from the taps. Have you tried running the faucet? See if it runs clear. Hey, that, my friend, is straight from the mother's tip. Yeah, we've had some problems with the well before, but only in the summer. Something about the aquifer. Right, yeah. That's to do with the level of the water table, but... I don't know, it shouldn't be happening this time of year. Freshest water in the department. That's what Dad always says. I'm sure it's fine, but if you want, I could run a test on a sample, have all my equipment back up in the tent, so... You know, better safe than sorry. Hey, knock yourself out. All right. Damn, that was close. Kill it, baby. Kill it. Kill it. Just then, as well, storm clouds start looming overhead, and we get a cut to nighttime scene. Lightning is starting to strike the rock, and it just keeps striking it over and over and over again. Mm. Lavinia points out that it must be some kind of rod for it, because lightning doesn't normally do that, especially not in quick succession. We get uh, radio interference as well, and people try to call out with their phones, and it's just static, essentially. He's looking through the woods, Ward, and he gets spooked by forest sounds. He's he's off in his car now, because he's, I guess, waiting to go back for some reason for like the storm to clear up or something like that. And he's looking through the woods with this flashlight, and something's weird's going on with the light waves from the flashlight. It has a bit of a like that effect when you look directly at a at a bubble, and it's all the colors are kind of waving around and and swirling together. It's like when you look at Predator or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's like that outline. And his car turns on and off. 
all on its own. He goes to try and see if he can turn it off, and then it suddenly just shuts off on his own. And then suddenly the radio just comes back on and it's blaring music again. And mm-hmm. he's just thoroughly freaked out by the whole experience. All bad. It was, it was like pitch black out there too, because even when you're watching it, the only thing you see is what the actual direct uh, flashlight light is shining on. Exactly. It's like perfectly set up. It's sweet. So good. Then they wake up the next morning. It's the the family. They're looking at at the rock, and it's just completely gone. The lightning must have just evaporated it. Nick notices that there's flowers growing near the well as well, mm, and uh, some of the some of the TV people come in, and he's super nervous about it. We don't get to see the interview firsthand, but we cut to nighttime. <laughs> the whole family's gathered around the TV, and it's one of the best <laughs> interview scenes of any I movie. Love it. Yeah. He's giving the most awkward interview to these these new broadcasters, and Nick is he's yelling at the TV. He's freaking out. He says, "God, couldn't they have given me a comb or something?" <laughs> he's not satisfied with anything that happened in this whole interview. Yeah. The mom, she's in the kitchen. She's making dinner or whatever. She cracks open one of the eggs, and it just is full of pulpy red. It looks like blood almost. But the reporter on the TV asks him if he was drunk at the time, <laughs> and. <laughs> yeah. One of the things he's freaking out about is what the subtitle they give under his name is UFO Cider or something like that. And Nick's saying, I didn't say UFO, you said UFO. I, I never mentioned a UFO at all. Well, also, the, medi- <laughs> the meteor's gone at this point, right? Yeah. Because there's exactly. like, there's no evidence, and you were drunk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he admits that he, he likes bourbon every once in a while, and it's the funniest thing, because it, it shows his title again, and at, beside UFO Cider, they put a slash and they say, Bourbon Connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh god yeah i think the freaked out abductee look suits you pretty well very good so the meteorite which happened to mysteriously disappear before the time my team and i got here Teresa, can you please get out here mr gardner were you sober at the time that this event happened uh, well, I mean, I like a bit of bourbon. Um, uh, it comes out of Texas. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I was, I was, I was not, the night before I had a few drinks, but I wasn't. I was, I was sober when I came out. I mean, oh, man. Jack, go get your mother. Okay. Yeah, what part of meteorite do you, you not understand? Baby, dinner's ready. So the mom, she's uh, she's in like a trance. Uh, Nick tells Jack to go get her to so she can join them, and she's cutting carrots and doing it in a very uh, leisurely kind of way, but also doing them very quickly. She accidentally cuts the tips of her fingers off, and she pulls them up for the camera, and they're just completely gone. Oh, it's gnarly! Like the camera's on the cutting board, mm-hmm. and, and she's like tranced out, but it cuts like the whole first knuckle down man it's 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 awesome so of course he's rushing her to the hospital and he puts benny in charge the the stoner he makes him the man of the house and benny just has no idea what to do but nick tells him that the alpacas better be in by at least 10 p.m or there's gonna be hell to pay benny's taking them around just for a, a late night walk i guess and it shows them drinking from the well and 
as we're looking around, the environment takes on a bit of a more saturated color. There's plants growing everywhere now as the vegetation is just growing up over everything. Everything's starting to get mossy and those flowers near the well are starting to grow up all over the place. Jack's just doing typical horror movie kid stuff. And he's saying like there's a man in the well that's talking to him. Lavinia gets a call from, from Nick, but the reception's all scrambled on both ends. We see it on her end, and I can barely make out his voice, and then Nick on his end can barely make out her as well, and they just don't know what's going on. Jack moves over to the well, and it seems like he's talking to something, and out of the well flies what looks like a mantis, but it's it's completely pink, and it's mutated. It's got like six eyes and butterfly wings and tons of tongues coming out of its mouth. It flies off into the dark. One thing that starts now is every once in a while you'll start getting the real soft whistle sounds in the background. Mm-hmm. And that's usually like an indication of like shit's about to ramp up a little real quick here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's another subtle thing I didn't notice. Because, yeah, because there's... Oh, for real? Yeah, because there's high-pitched sounds that, that play at certain key moments in the in Dude, the story, I know. But... I, I wrote the notes. Every time the whistle played, I just kept saying like, and now we go oh. whistles again. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's so good. I'm Think about the whistles up. next time you watch it. I swear to God, it's like... Anytime somebody, let's say, like the daughter sits up and starts like drawing attention to some something off screen, it, there's always a whistle in the, that starts up in the background that like pings them to to start focusing on shit. Oh man, sure. Uh huh. <laughs> but speaking of the daughter, she's uh, it's the next day and she's cleaning the the blood off the knife that the mom was using. Cause oh yeah, who just... left that for her? What an asshole, you know? Yeah, I know, right? Just God. And she's obviously freaking out about it, because, I mean, who the fuck wants to do that? And as she's doing it, the light dazes her, and comes in blaring through the window. And when she, she comes to, the sink is overflowing, and she gets another call from Nick, and it's it's garbled again. And the whole situation is just overwhelming her, so she goes and just vomits in the toilet. Uh, she's getting, like, or- gargle, gargle guts and stuff, because, again, uh, the whistle starts up, and she starts making her sick when that happens now. Oh, God. But word comes by, and he, he tries to warn that the, the water is heavily contaminated at this point. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and Liv is trying to respond, but she's just way too sick to even pay attention to anything she's, that he's saying. She, she says something like, I believe you, science man. <laughs> no, excuse me. Yeah. Jack continues to do weird shit. He's just staring off into the distance. Ward tries to talk to him, and he's telling him he's talking to the invisible people or some crap like that. So he says, uh, okay, well... Don't get into any trouble. So he goes to, to Chong's house. And Chong has been drinking the water nonstop, it seems. He just has a glass in his hand, and it's basically black at this point. It's so discolored. He's listening to the ground through his headphones. And he, he's describing it along with Ward. And Ward's listening to it, and like you said, it kind of sounds like the, the high-pitched screaming and the noise and stuff. But Ward tries to rationalize it. He just says, well, it's probably just tectonic plates shifting or some other kind of geothermal thing or something like that i wouldn't think about it but chong, chong is convinced yeah he's a, yeah. he insists that like things are crawling around down there though he's like you can't hear him moving around he's like no man stoner <laughs> <laughs> fuck no man sorry <laughs> but uh ward thinks to ask where his cat is uh forgot to mention the cat earlier he has a cat named g-spot <laughs> oh yeah what a perfect name for a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the, cat, the cat's just gone, but Chong tells him something really ominous. He says, uh, if you see her, you'll see her, but you won't recognize her. Mm-hmm. That's your first hint. Yeah, I could hear them while I slept, shuffling around, chattering. See, I knew no one would believe me unless I got it on Memorex. 
What exactly am I supposed to be listening to? The people under the floor, dude. The aliens. They're there. Well, yeah, it is strange. But it's probably geothermal activity or no, no. magnetic distortion, something like that. They came on the rock. Look, no offense, Ezra, but that's pretty out there. <laughs> you don't get it, do you? It's not out there. It's in here. It's in the static. It's in the moisture. Up is down, fast is slow. What's in here is out there. And what's out there is in here now. Caprendo? Um, look, why don't you think about getting out of here for a while? I'm gonna be back tomorrow. I have some more equipment with me. I'm sure it'll all make more sense in the morning. Morning? Dude, it's already morning. All right, um, stick the bottle of water, okay? <sighs> oh, hey, I will let you know if I see G-Spot. You might see her, but I don't think you'll recognize her. Cut to Nick. They're at the hospital. Or, well, they're coming back from the hospital. Him and his wife are driving back, and he's trying to sing opera for some reason. He doesn't even have a CD <laughs> or the radio on or anything like that. He's just just goofing. He's leveling up, dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> he's just <slowly> getting, <laughs> he's getting more cage, dude. <laughs> but they're driving, and they see something in the road. They almost hit it. They, they swerve off, and we get a very brief glimpse of what looks like a, a skinless, bony cat with glowing eyes. And the high-pitched noise comes in again. And the light seems to come in from the woods as the, the dog actually decides to run after it. This causes the, the computer monitor in Benny's room to, to pulsate as well. He just has a picture of like uh, some kind of space anomaly or something like that. And mm -hmm. the, the picture is just flickering on, on and off. Which I don't even know if that would happen even in an electrical interference with computer monitors. But No, it's like it's degaussing or whatever. It's, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's weird. But Benny shows up behind Lavinia because she's the one looking in on this. And she freaks out, of course, because she's just in the middle of this dark house with all this crazy shit happening. Yeah. Benny tells her that he got lost because he was walking around in the woods and he kept getting turned around because it kept shifting on him. And it was like he was walking around and it went from daytime and then suddenly the next thing he knew it was just night. And the phone goes off, as does the lights. The, the caller ID is from Nick, but they don't hear anything on the other end yet again. But... Him and, and the mom come home just in time. They're pissed off because Jack's literally just sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> and, yeah. and Nick is pissed because he's like, what the hell? Like, your brother is just outside and you're just fucking around in the dark in the house? Like, what are you guys doing? But then he sees the alpacas are out and he gets really pissed off. He starts going into this huge rant. <laughs> it's like the, the first big Nick Cage rant we get. Yeah, yeah, they're alpacas! Alpacas! <laughs> <laughs> He's boiling, man. He's ready to go. Uh. Jack! Oh my god. What is wrong with you two? Why is your brother already here? Uh, no, it, it didn't happen well, that way. What is understand. this? Well, the cat's away, the mice will play. Isn't that right? I'm seriously disappointed in both of you. No, there was this sound, and I got sick, and then you called and yelled at me. Honey, what are you talking about? We couldn't even get through, and believe me, we tried. She's telling the truth, Dad. Something I, I, weird is going on. I don't want to hear your excuses you know either, I, Benny. I'm going to take him upstairs. I'll leave you to deal with these two. Holy shit. 
Holy shit. They should have been put back in the barn hours ago. You haven't even fed them yet, have you? Dad, I tried, but... What do you mean, you tried? Do you have any idea how much those animals cost us? They are alpacas. Alpacas. Benny tries to suggest to Lavinia that they, they warn him about what's going on, but Lavinia doesn't even know where to start to try and explain what's yeah, happening. Yeah, right. It's at this point, too, that Nick starts to adopt a, a weird dialect. Uh, my friend told me that he... I don't know how true this is. She said that it, he was trying to mix a bit of, like, a Trump impression, but also with, like, the way that his dad would act when he got pissed off when he was a kid. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and just knowing that just paints, like, an even weirder perspective <laughs> on all his freaking scenes. I thought he was acting like he was, like, beginning to have a stroke or something, dude. <laughs> Which I guess is, you know, fuck, maybe not too far off. <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. Cage is asking, like, where the dog went or whatever, and the kids all mentioned that, quote, they got him, and now Cage is, like, freaking out. He's, he's like, level nine Cage at this point. He's telling them, go fuck yourselves, and uh, <laughs> how the hell did you not notice and shit? And the daughter's like, screw this, man. She tells her brothers, like, we gotta get the fuck out of this place. Yeah, she, she asks if he's been in contact with his ex-girlfriend, and he says, well, I mean, I haven't talked to her in six months, and... I don't know if her house is available. And she says, well, we need to contact somebody. We got to have somewhere to go because we can't be staying here. Uh huh. Nick goes to take a shower, though, because, I mean, of course, it's like <laughs> all the shit that he's gone through. And he's, as he's taking a shower, he notices that the, the drain isn't actually draining any of the water. So he's, he's reaching down to pick up something, and there's this gelatinous blob. It looks like a, a mound of fat or like some kind of, I don't know what, like part of a plastic mold or something like that as he's holding it, it sh suddenly shoots out tendrils and attaches to his hand so he just <laughs> waffle stomps it down the drain and freaks out dude at first i thought it was like a like a breast implant or something like sig insinuating like his wife's boobs but then it turned into that like parasite jellyfish thing and then skirted away i was like oh okay. uh, maybe yeah. i don't know good yeah, yeah. i was like it's another subtle thing maybe we could say it did just for for coolness sake <laughs> yeah for our own, <laughs> our own view of the movie uh-huh he comes into the bedroom, the him and his wife's bedroom, and the mom is trying to, to calm Jack down because Jack's concerned about the dog, and Nick's complaining that he's he's smelling something again. It's the, another bad smell. And he's pointing out, oh, it smells like the cancer ward that my dad died in. No, oh, you know, you know cancer wards. You know how <laughs> right. <laughs> he insinuates that the dog probably ran away and got killed or something like that, and that causes Jack to just completely freak out. And it's at that point he he suddenly just completely switches gears, which is one of the more weirder, more surreal aspects of the story. Like he's being influenced by the color somehow, or something's getting to his head because he he suddenly just goes back to to dad mode. He says, "Oh no, no, I didn't mean it. No, the do the dog he's probably just out for a walk or something like that." Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> Cut to the shots of the woods though, and there's even more plants and animals just all over the place. The ethereal soundtrack comes in, and Nick, he's he's going through his, his garden, and he's he's picking at his arm, he's scratching it, he's got some kind of bad itch or some kind of rash on his, his forearm. But he's he's picking these massive tomatoes off of pink vines that he says are a month early. The wife, she's up in the attic trying to do her work, but her, her calls keep dropping, and her, her clients can't hear her. So she comes down, and she's just absolutely livid at this. She's 
saying she's literally hemorrhaging clients because she can't talk to any of them, which I mean, anyone who's had to deal with internet issues and especially talking with people online knows that that's one of the most frustrating things. I can't even imagine how tough it would be to have that. Well, I mean, I guess we're living that right now. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but even still, having a, a, as big of a job as that and knowing that even one disconnect could mean that you're your client just completely drops on you but she's she's looking like terrible at this point too her and cage but her especially she looks like she's been up for like three days and stressed the hell out and shit she's she's like raging all the time even though she was normally like the even keel one (laughs) and nick he's just ignoring her though he's he's trying out these tomatoes he bites into (laughs) one he's he's just this disgusted look on his face he bites into another one and then another one he says what am i supposed to do i followed all the instructions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is my friend's favorite point of the movie just because it's one of the best recaps he just starts slamming them into the trash <laughs> he goes all loop slam dunk <laughs> i wrote that down too the slam dunk and it all like splatters back out of him and shit uh-huh. uh. his wife's like losing her shit at this point too she's like you better yeah. fix the dishes and everything too and fix the yeah. not the dish but fix the uh internet dish that- now yeah, just uh, I don't care what you do. Fix that internet dish now, as soon as you can. You have got to do something about that dish. I am literally hemorrhaging clients. Should be working, sweetie. I just checked it this morning. No, I'm scarbling the fuck out of everything I say. Nate. Nate, are you listening to me? You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. I followed every fucking rule in the book, and the end they still fucking taste like shit. You know what? Fuck that. Okay, coming up. You know what? Okay, stop it. Stop it. Slam dunk. You know I just do something about that dish. All right. Do you know what I'm? Um, I, I, I'm gonna go and lie down. Just fix that dish, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a good idea, sweetie. But uh, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he goes and pours himself a glass of bourbon. Damn right. He's watching. He's watching some news footage, and uh, apparently the fish in the river are dying. They just—they're getting washed up on the shore, and nobody really knows what's wrong with them. And there's a a, a commercial for the mayor about this this hydro plant that she's going to build in, in the valley, and how it's going to be great. And you need to vote for me in the next election. Blah blah blah. Typical politician mm-hmm. crap. Uh, he looks at his arm though, the one that he's been scratching, and he finds that it's just this mass of just leathery scabs and as he's picking at it we see a, a still shot of a, a, a wolf statue that they had and i don't know if that was there or if it was normal earlier in the movie but now looking at it it looks like all the wolves have been mashed together into this big amorphous blob with just their heads sticking out which is a cue for later mm-hmm. we cut to uh, lavinia though she's packing up all her stuff and did whatever bags she can carry on her she's just absolutely done with this situation and she, she picks up and finds a book that she apparently didn't even realize she has. She has a, a copy of the Necronomicon, no less. Of course. And if uh, <laughs> if, any, if any of our listeners are, are cool enough to have read The Evil Dead, know that the Necronomicon actually originally comes from, from H.P. Lovecraft's work. There's no specific book detailing what the Necronomicon specifically does, but it's just this recurring thing that keeps popping up in each of his stories and things like that well it's it has the to... symbols of all the elder gods and everything in it and exactly yeah it just 
an amalgamation of all the the occult knowledge and, and spells and different rituals and stuff to, to summon the old ones and just different information about them and things like that but she just uses it as just a, a regular occult book she starts drawing up a ritual right away everyone's just doing their own thing at this point in time though it's it's nighttime again and so everyone's distracted and while everyone's distracted jack goes downstairs nick he's, he's already passed out in front of the tv and the the tv is just going haywire so he goes outside and he sits next to the dog who finally came back they look at and there's a there's a pink landscape in front of them. Just all the flowers and stuff. They've suddenly just shifted color. The young the Stoner Bros out there with him too. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was out there sitting on the porch. Yeah, and like yeah, oh, like yeah. everything's purple now, dude. Like the the grass and everything. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't the dog. It was a uh, it was his brother. Yeah, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> but we get we get back to Lavinia and she's like I said, she's got her her stone circle in, in the middle of her own room. And she's doing a blood ritual. She's carving in the Eldritch symbols into her hand. And she just is just asking whoever's, whoever's there, whoever's listening, to just take her out of the situation. Just get her as far away as possible. With, like, the worst blade ever. It's, like, <laughs> the she ones you find at work that fell underneath something for years. Or it's the worst-looking <laughs> rusty blade in the world. Ugh. Jack and his brother Benny, they're looking over at the well, and they, or no, they, they walk towards the barn, because the barn starts emitting uh, some faint lights, and they're hearing the, the alpacas, they're screaming bloody murder out in there, and we don't get to see what happens to them just yet, but we see close-up shots of them, and their, their eyes are bloodshot, and their skin is peeled away from their face, and we see just shots of their flesh, and how their, their veins are popping out and bleeding all over the place. And as we see this, the light starts to bloom more and more inside of the, the barn, so Benny and Jack, they're just gunning it back towards the house. And it's at this point, well, the mom had woken up earlier, and she was looking through the house to, to find where Jack was. And she sees this happening, so she's running towards him. Benny outpaces both of them, and the mom has, has Jack in her arms. And then the, the light just envelops them and just irradiates them, for lack of a better term. It's like tentacles, though. It's like the light becomes this tentacle energy that reaches out. Nick comes out because they're screaming bloody murder because uh-huh. of whatever it is that's happening. And we we don't find out right away, but they, they take them inside. And as Lavinia comes downstairs, she's just covered in blood and these just <laughs> occult symbols. She looks on the, the couch and we find out that Jack's actually been fused to, to the mom's back, almost like a like a cancer tumor growing out of her. Yeah, the, the the girl has like the little Uzi Vert diamond in her forehead now. It's hilarious. <laughs> So everyone's freaking out at this point. This is we've crossed the threshold from weird occurrences to Cronenberg shit at, at this point. Yeah, she's full monster now. Mm-hmm. They try to get a call out. No reception, of course. Nick's in the truck and he can't get the the truck started, and he has a big freak out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he's level ten cage dude. He's punching the ceiling and shit. Uh, he's just going oh oh oh. <laughs> Uh, but we get this super cool shot. It's a wide shot of him in the truck, and we see the house and the the environment now. Everything's just bathed in this very saturated, super colorful light. Uh, it's all moving and everything. It's all flowing with yeah. the end, like the air. Yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. Lavinia, she's she's trying to talk to the mom and look it over, trying to rationalize the situation as much as she can, and <laughs> all she can gather is that she thinks that. The mom is literally trying to absorb Jack back into her, as yeah. like some kind of like reverse birth kind of thing. What a genius move, though. That would not be the thing I was thinking of. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would just think that they got smashed together by that energy. 
Exactly. And the whole time Jack is he's screaming bloody murder, but his his voice is muffled because he's yeah. literally underneath your skin. Oh, it's so gross. His arms and his face are hanging out of her back. Mm-hmm. And it's so good, too, because uh, I pointed this out to my friend. I, I always like whenever kids get the short end of the skit, stick in horror movies and stuff. And uh, a lot of what this movie does seems like it's going the very typical way. Like, Jack seems very much like the, the kid from The Shining or, or what have you. Just the special kid who is going to help the family figure out what's going on because he's got the, the connection to to see what's actually happening. But nope, he just, <laughs> he just gets absolutely demolished. Yeah, they kill that chosen one mantra right away. Nick, he comes inside, and he just does the car. It's just, it's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) And he explains that it's as if something sucked all the energy out of the car battery. There's no way they're going to be able to replace it or start the car or anything like that. God, I think she's trying to talk to us. What was that, Mom? This is useless. We've got to get home. No, no, wait. We're going to die in this fucking place. The, uh, car is not happening. What do you mean the car is not happening? What does that mean? Something uh, sucked the charge out of the battery overnight. It's probably the same thing that's screwing with the cells and the computers. It's, uh, like an electromagnetic field. Can you believe me now? I don't know what I believe anymore. Why do they keep making that sound? I don't think they like the sunlight, Dad. I think it's hurting them. Let me get them up the stairs. The mom at this point is moaning too because they figure out that the sunlight is actually starting to boil and, and burn her skin. Her skin at this point almost looks like translucent, like a jellyfish or something. Yeah. Like that. So I, it, I almost imagine that it's just the UV rays just like bubbling her. That's fair. I didn't think about that. But they drag, they drag them up to the attic because yeah. they don't know where else to put her. It's the only place that doesn't have any, any like real windows or anything. Literally drag. Like one's holding the arm, one's holding the leg, just pulling her up. With, oh, they got a, a rug around her. And they're just sliding her up the stairs. <laughs> they're doing their best to try and comfort her, but it's clear at this point that, that none of them are getting a grasp on this situation. None of them are in a position to be able to comfort anyone, let alone each other. Yeah. Daughter's got carved like elder signs carved at her. She had the sun stoned. The other sun sucked into the mom's back, and Cage is just like level ten Cage, dude. <laughs> He's got reptile uh, skin arms too. He's losing his everything sucks. Uh, but that high pitched noise it comes back again. Yeah, we start hearing the, the alpaca screaming. And Nick Cage, he's he's freaking out. He's loading up his shotgun. He's just gonna go deal with the situation. He's going into the, the barn, and similar to the, to the last shot, the barn's all dark inside, so he's slowly creeping in with his flashlight, trying to brace himself for whatever's going on, but there's no way you can brace yourself for this. We get a super cool wide shot. All the apacas have literally been fused together as if they were like on a pan or something, and all their bodies just got melted. <laughs> Parts of their, their legs are sticking out, and their, their heads are just wobbling around like snakes. It's like a giant like sharp- hydra. 
Yeah, they've got yeah. sharp teeth for some reason, and they're just all bleeding. <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of the one of the goofiest, but definitely one of the best parts of the movie. He just takes his shotgun and just blows their heads off one by one, and just gets yeah. coated in guts and viscera. It's full Evil Dead spraying blood all over the place, man. <laughs> And then he even cries afterwards. He's like, my, my precious alpacas, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He cares so much. This whole movie, every time, like, shit ramps up, like, it's got that that deep synth sound, like, that dark synth wave going on. It's, it's fucking incredible. It's so good. But they get water for the mom. And, I mean, it's got to be the same water that <laughs> that's already been of contaminated. Course. And to add to the surrealness, she's not even drinking it like a person, but she's lapping it up like a dog while looking them in the eyes. Yeah. At this point, I was like, dude, come on. Like, just yeah. kill this bitch. Right. But speaking of which, Nick uh-huh. comes back into the door frame, all covered in blood <laughs> and, and alpaca bits. <laughs> he, he just tells them to, to go downstairs, please. And they're asking him, like, what are you going to do, Dad? He just says, I'll handle it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Lavinia... She's choked up, and she says, "Like you handled the alpacas." <laughs> he just goes, "Just, just get out of here." <laughs> so he he goes over to him. He even puts the gun directly to her head, and she's she's just crying and sobbing at this point. And of course, nobody in this situation would be able to get up enough stones to to go through with it. So he kneels down and he starts kissing her on the lips, and there's like pink saliva coming off of both of them. Oh, Hell so yeah. Gross. But he's he's talking to her like like she's just sick in the hospital or something like that. He says, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go out and get help, and then after we clear all this up, we're gonna go on that trip we always talked about." You don't think you could do it? I think I could totally do it at that point. What? How are you gonna fix that person? They're this molded two people monster, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who's moaning but in I mean, pain? Yeah, but I mean, at, at this point, she still has like most of her face, and so. Oh man. You, wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even hesitate, dude. <laughs> come on, dude. Uh, this thing is come on. Uh, you, you, got, but, you got more stones than me then. I guess so. Who yeah, well maybe you guys are the better people, I guess. <laughs> I would just think <laughs> long long term ain't going yeah, nowhere. You're, you're you're rationalizing it, is <laughs> We cut to uh of to Ward though, of all people. He's at the mayor's office and she's she's geeking out in the in the her office. He's sitting outside waiting to get a meeting with her. She's saying she doesn't care if the water is contaminated. This project's been in the works for however long, and it, it needs to go on schedule because it's going to supply power for the whole East Coast, and it's going to guarantee her re-election and blah, blah, blah. We get the the opinion that no matter what he says to her, there's no way he's going to convince her to, to stop what's what's coming. But he walks out, and uh, the sheriff, he's with some, some redneck, and he's got his, his truck pulled up, and he's got a tarp over it. And the sheriff calls him over to, to look at what's what's inside, and he pulls it out, and there's just all these mutated animals. They just have their skin flayed off, and they've got all these extra body parts and stuff like that. We even see the the collar of G Spot to to know that in it fact was in there. it was yeah, exactly. Uh, he tries to rationalize it though. He thinks it's radiation burns or something like that, some kind of radiation type mutation. But the the sheriff and the redneck they they don't know what to make of the situation. <laughs> Ward, you come here for a sec. You know Jake? Tell him. Found these by the gardener place. Oh, what happened to him? They look burned. I don't know. 
Jake said he found them bunched up like they were running from something. You got a couple birds in there, white tail, rabbit, you got a fucking cat. It looks like radiation burns. Cut back to the family though. Lavinia, she's trying to use what resources she has left. She's trying to ride off on her horse named Comet. She's trying to calm him down, but we, we looked into the horse's eyes and he's also mutated as well. He's got the swirling color in his eyes. And as Benny is trying to go fetch the saddle, the, the horse just freaks out and runs off into the night. And so Lavinia tries to say that there's nothing left for them to do but to try to walk out. And Benny points out that there's 12 miles between here and any sign of civilization. Yeah, just scary-ass woods and yeah. mutant monsters, but whatever. Yeah. This is when the whistles yeah. go off again, and the bro yep. thinks he hears the dog in the well now. Yeah, for some reason he climbs down into the well. Like, yeah, immediately, just, like, what the fuck, man? He's just so desperate for this dog, I guess. So he climbs down about halfway through the well, and we get to see faint glimpses of what's down there through his flashlight. It just looks like just ooze or oil or something it's just like bubbling a sewer. around. Yeah. yeah. There's something vague moving in there, and he, he thinks it's the dog. But then, of course, all of a sudden, the light comes back on. It reaches out, and it grabs him and just evaporates him as it shoots out of the well. And Lavinia, she's the only sane one left at this point. <laughs> Immediately after, like, the energy bursts out, fucking level 10 cage grabs her, drags her right upstairs. He's like, you gotta go see your daughter. Or your mom. You gotta go see your mom. Yeah, he said he says something like, Whatever happened to family ties? You know, a family that stays together rises up together or whatever. <laughs> totally oblivious that his son just got like nuked by this light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also talking about how his dad was a deadbeat, and he's definitely not going to end up like him. He's going to be the family man. He's going to keep everybody together, and he, he wants everyone to, to spend quality time together. <laughs> Lavinia tries to, to bargain with him. She says, I'll, I'll clean up my, my cursing. I'll, I'll eat my vegetables. <laughs> Please don't put me in the attic. <laughs> but he does it anyway. He says, go feed your mother, and he just throws her in there. It locks in there. It's like Hellraiser style, dude. Like in this yeah. attic with a monster in the corner. You don't really even get to see it. It, it looks different now, but it's like shaded by the darkness in the corner it's badass <laughs> yeah it reaches out to her and it's this weird spider beast now <laughs> yeah. ward is going though he's he's with the sheriff and they're they're driving off in the dead of the night and conveniently the horse races past them and ward points out that it's lavinia's horse there's no way that the horse would just get let loose like that so the sheriff he turns his lights on of course and he's he's just gunning it towards the house now Nick is downstairs while all of this is happening. He's clearly just out of his gourd now. He's delusional. He's drinking his bourbon. He's fantasizing about going to Italy and Greece and all these hot spots. The, the mom, she's she's licking the daughter. She's in a demonic voice saying how she's hungry. But she doesn't actually take any pieces out of her. I don't know why. They just didn't bother going through with that. Just she's scary guess, as fuck now. She's like mounted up on her and runs at her. It's yeah. crazy. Oh, God. Nick answers the door, and and Ward and the sheriff can clearly tell that he's out of it. He sounds like he's half awake. He's like, oh, yeah, come in. Do you, do you want a drink? I know I'm having one. Yeah, this is when he's, like, full stroke. He's, like, eee, like, stretching out his, his mouth and his words. And he's got blood all over his fucking body, too. Not yeah. <laughs> they're, they're asking, uh, where's your family? He says, what, what do you mean? They're right over there. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's sitting down, of course. What happened to your arms? It's just a rash. Where's your wife? 
right there. And the rest of your family? Everybody's here. We all stick together. What? Teresa says, except for Benny. Benny lives in the well now. Drake, I'm having one. But they hear all the screaming upstairs, so they immediately rush upstairs. They see the mom monster, and they're just flabbergasted. They're just utterly stunned, and they don't know what to do in this situation. It looks like the sheriff's going to shoot her, but then the, the mom's head pokes up, and her head just gets blasted off. It turns out Nick, apparently, in that intermittent time, he rushed upstairs with a shotgun and finally came to his senses and decided to end it. Right before it chomps him, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's amazing, dude. The ultimate badass. <laughs> He goes back downstairs, though, and so do the officer and ward. They see that light is leaking out of the well at this point. Nick is entranced by the light, and it looks like he's going to move to shoot ward. So the sheriff, with nothing else he really can do, he just decides to just blast <laughs> Nick Cage straight in the chest. <laughs> Lavinia sees this, of course, and so she's just absolutely distraught. She, just, she has nothing left now. Her entire family has just been taken from her, and the only one left is her. So she's trailing Nick in her arms, and Ward is trying to get her to come with him. And she just says, no, I, I live here now. There's there's nothing else that can be done. Well, Cage is, like, going out loopy as shit, too. He's talking about how much he loves the colors and everything, and <laughs> dies like a champ. Uh, Ward says he'll come back for her, though. It's like, don't, don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, okay. I'm going to go check on your neighbor. So he goes, he goes with the sheriff to Chong's house. Uh, we finally hear Chong from outside of the house. It sounds almost like a recording, though. It's very static and robotic sounding. They go into his house and they find out he's he's been dead. He's he's just a corpse in his chair now. But his 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 record player or his uh, his recording device seems to just be playing his voice over and over again. And he's talking about the color and how it corrupts everything. It came from space, and there's no way any of us could possibly understand it. And it's it's gonna change everything it's around. He was saying earlier that like it's like distorting matter or whatever. Like what's inside is outside now, and yeah, yeah. I, t I took this scene as like since he's always recording his is like weird audio and shit that he basically like became part of the audio equipment and like left his yeah. burned up body left on the chair. Yeah, that's the exact impression I got when I watched it the first time. It's like he's like in the TV and the the equipment, like you said. No. Yeah, basically they just kind of became one entity. Mm -hmm. Ezra? You in there? I'm going in. Sucking the life out of everything. That came down in the rocks. Ezra? It lives in the world. It grew down there. Ezra? Poisoning everything. Changing everything into something like the world it came from. Into what it knows. We all know what's coming. But we can't give it away. It's got everything that lives. 
They all drunk the water. They got strong on them. Sure. Fed itself on them. It came from the stars. Skins off. Where things ain't like they are here. It's just a color. So they're thoroughly freaked out by this. They don't know what to make of it, but the light starts shining inside the house, so they, they know enough to just get the hell out of there, and it just overtakes the entire shed. Then, out of nowhere, the sheriff just gets picked up by one of the trees that just <laughs> yeah, came what the fuck? and it just straight up murders him. So, <laughs> Ward just gets out of there. He's like, well, <laughs> there's nothing left I can do in this situation. I might as well salvage as much as I can. Just start running. He gets back to Lavinia. She's she's looking at the well, turned away from him. He's trying to, to speak out to her, try and get her attention. She slowly turns towards him and her her eyes and the, the symbol on her head and all the, the eldritch signs she's etched into her skin it starts glowing with the light. And we get the best scene in the whole movie. It oh, I was blown away by it when I saw it in the theater. Hmm. It, it was like a glimpse of everything I wanted from a cosmic horror film just in this short little bit. Ward has a vision. I tried to explain it in my notes the way I felt like maybe Lovecraft would try to explain it. It's uh, The sky has a bit of a, a gossamer color to it. It shifts and, and whirls seemingly at random. The realm that he perceives, the ground, is made of undulating massive tendrils. And at the center of it all is a, a mountain peak bearing the, the sigil that Lavinia carved into her sitting under a, a black sun it's just the most alien possible thing you could possibly witness and it just they tried their darndest to try and capture it on film oh it's amazing dude it reminded me of when we were playing dead space like when the game was kind of cool sometimes yeah you know and they would give us those crazy shots it was it like revealing like the the virus's past like uh, the maybe movies. yeah like like it went to like other it. planets and this is what it's done to it or maybe this is where it originated from who, who knows yeah anything but the color at this point it's pouring from the well in this big maelstrom this big tornado it's rising up and piercing through the clouds and going back up into space Lavinia turns back towards it, and she just gets eaten by it, just evaporated, and her form just gets sucked in. Yeah. Tornado's sucking in everything at this point, like, matter and color and, like, yeah. space. Like, their bodies are, like, distorting as if it's, like, you know, like, some sci-fi movie stretching them out and everything. Ward, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess he doesn't think he can drive out of here, so he goes back into the house. <laughs> and this is the, the second portion, my other favorite part of the movie. It's, like, reality itself starts to, to undo itself, like, Everything oh, yeah. you thought was real is now just coming undone. He sees Nick Cage. He's somehow picked himself up and put himself into the uh, the chair. His his eyes are glowing purple. And we hear various lines of the characters from the movie as they, they play over the scene as the house is going from day to night and night to day and things are moving about seemingly at random. We see the, the ghosts of the family. They're, they're sitting in the couch looking back towards him. And then Nick, as if possessed, he... he walks up and he starts trying to kill Ward for whatever reason. But Ward, he manages to get away. He somehow manages to find the door to the, the winery. I don't know how he knew it was there, but right. details, whatever. He gets in there and he locks himself in there and Nick is trying to, to burst through. He's just slamming his fist against the door. And 
everything just the, the film itself like the, the picture becomes distorted and everything's tearing away the light fills the house and nick just gets evaporated by it as ward is just down there screaming in the fetal position just <laughs> trying to just survive essentially and then uh, silence rolls in and we're just left with a white screen yeah and then we we see the aftermath of it ward climbs out of what's left of the house it's almost like a nuke went off or something all that's left is just white ash of the surrounding area of the the property ega cage's body burned like terminator it's just <laughs> yeah. like a burnt skeleton with his wedding ring on still and everything right above him yeah and we we zoom out with a with an aerial shot to see how how far it went and just for for miles and miles the whole thing just got glassed it's huge it's awesome dude it's just yeah it's like a total of like a two mile span crater of just white ash yeah and then to to cap the movie off we get another quote from the original short story the, the quote is so good it's it's what really gets to me and it, it made me just fall in love with this movie that and everything else of course but <laughs> just it's the it's the perfect quote from the, the short story it it really gets at the 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 heart of lovecraft's writing just in one simple sentence it captures the very essence of everything he writes about there are only a few of us that remember the strange days now. What touched this place cannot be quantified or understood by human science. It was just a color out of space. A messenger from realms whose existence stuns the brain and numbs us with the gulfs that it throws open before our frenzied eyes. The man says the whole world's basically moved on and like yet nothing can still be explained and right. uh how it was they, just a color went, a color yeah. it was it was like a message from what could be out there kind of like a burst of emotion or something whatever this meteor yeah. was was just like uh like a gasp of air from some far off unexplained reach yeah and the color yeah. was was just the code exactly that's how powerful it was says, exactly he also says how he's never gonna drink from the water from that, that <laughs> reservoir right <laughs> They just went and just flooded right over it. And then we get Synth picking up, and it says, boom, Colorado Space title, and you get a little mantis fly by and everything, too. Yeah, like, the, the wildlife in that area is permanently changed, too. Yeah, it's all fucked. The plants are still there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so good, though. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Uh, I've got a few bits of trivia. This is Richard Stanley's, I believe, second major motion picture. I don't think he had anything between this or before his first film. I think he only developed independent films before his first film. His first film was the infamous 1996 The Island of Dr. Moreau, mm -hmm. which actually isn't as bad as people say it is. It's a perfectly fine film. I actually really liked it. But the story behind the film is yeah, it's fascinating. a thousand times more interesting than the movie itself any of you who's listening uh there's a documentary a very good 2014 documentary called lost soul the doomed journey of richard stanley's island of dr moreau if you have the time 
highly recommend you check it out. It's one of the most fascinating insights of just movie production in general and how shitty Hollywood can be. And oh, it's so good. It's the craziest story, though, man. Unbelievable. Uh, this movie, though, it saddens my heart. I tried to do what I could to, to spread the word about this movie. This movie did come out in January of 2020, uh, before the pandemic hit, but still. Some things had going against it. January movies in general don't tend to do very good. Uh, not to mention horror movies outside of the the general horror movie times, like late summer and early fall and Halloween time especially. This movie, unfortunately, made uh, $1 million total, both in domestic and worldwide revenue. And uh, I want you to guess, Billy, what the the estimated budget for this movie was. I think I accidentally cheated and seen this when I was scrolling through trivia, but I think it was it around like twelve million or something like that. Uh, the the stats I saw was approximately six million dollars. So it's uh, uh, great. Well, d- did not make its money back. And like you said, the the director had visions of making this into a trilogy, but. Looks like that may or may not happen unless some very enthusiastic producer wants to throw money at his next two films. Well, it could end up being like some cult classic, you know what I mean? And, and once oh, the world opens up again, we can show them at small theaters again. I would definitely go see this again. In the- I saw it in theaters, and it was oh, badass. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, me and my friends are actually going to have a, a Nick Cage marathon tomorrow just Dude. for fun. I'm definitely going to force them to watch this because more people need to see this movie. This is... One of my favorite movies to come out in the last decade or so. It is, like you said, there's so many subtle things in the movie and so many things, insights you can make into the decisions they made and tons and tons of stuff that you can't catch on the first viewing. You watch it over and over again. You catch something new each time. Dude, right, uh, before, I, right before I moved out here, I actually went to uh, Alamo Draft House and saw a Nick Cage marathon, <laughs> a blind marathon. <laughs> it was great. So, I, 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 anytime you want to watch Nick Cage, I'm fucking down. He's one of the best ever. <laughs> so good. So, Billy, uh, how many Nick Cage freakouts would you give out of five? <laughs> I give this the, the full level 11 Nick Cage freakout out of five. <laughs> this is a dope movie, dude. Five out of five for me. Uh, I so. wish I would have just bought it. I actually rented it just so... I could have like the closed captioning because I'm an old man, but uh, <laughs> I wish I would have just bought it out because I totally plan on just throwing it on at various times now. Definitely everybody out there, buy this movie so that they can fund a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's get the Dunwich Horror, man. That's a good ass story. It is a good one. But my final closing thoughts on this movie is there are a lot of good Lovecraft adaptations. There's Herbert West's Reanimator. There's all kinds of things inspired by his work. Like I said, there's Alien, there's uh, The Thing, there's other stuff that's directly inspired by him. There's a very good short film, a silent film based on The Call of Cthulhu. That's, I think, at least worth checking out. Dude, even to a lesser extent, Cabin in the Woods, uh, mm-hmm. that underwater movie that just came out, I believe that was what it was called. Yeah, like Lovecraft, he, he his theme, like I said, just bleeds into like so many different forms of media dude his influences are everywhere it's awesome 
so good. But this movie, in my personal opinion, stands head and shoulders above all the other ones. It's the one where, of course, it's fun to, to look at the monster effects and all the, the gross Cronenberg stuff. That stuff's fun. That stuff is part of what Lovecraft's about, but more so than anything else, it's about the, the, the unknowable aspect of it. Nothing in this movie is ever explicitly explained, and even Ward as a character is meant to, to illustrate that you can't rationalize cosmic horror. It just is. It's something unexplainable beyond human comprehension that just comes in and does its thing, and much like the color, just leaves without a trace. It's just a color from space, man. It's just an experience, basically. Exactly. But that's as much as I can really say about this movie. I mean, I could probably rant and rave about it for on and on, but I, I think I've said my piece. <laughs> and anything else for, for closing statements, Billy? Yeah, bro, I actually have a couple trivias that I, I'd like to roll out a little bit. We did mention the news, uh, had mentioned certain things, but during their little infomercial or their news relay, they, they mentioned Arkham, uh, Innsmouth, Dunwich, and <laughs> Kingsport, which are all Lovecraft towns. Exactly. The um, main guy, Ward, his name is Ward Phillips, which is actually another Lovecraft Easter egg because uh, Lovecraft's real name is Howard Phillips Lovecraft. That's right. And Ward must be for uh, the curious case of Charles Dexter Ward. Oh, yeah, that yeah, because he's like seeking things out. Mm -hmm. The color they chose is magenta, which doesn't <clears throat> doesn't exist as a single wave wavelength of light as part of like any spectrum of visible light. Uh -huh. Um. I'm just going to read it straight off. It says, uh, rather is an extra spectral color that is only perceived by humans in specific interactions of the optical rods and the eyes. So it takes like a, a specific uh, scenario for the human eye to even witness this color in the wild. So it's like, That's and awesome. it gives a bunch of like scientific fucking numbers and what it is and everything. <laughs> but the fact that they chose like this very specific, extremely random and, you know, rare color to portray like, you know, this fucking wild outer space experience is fucking cool that's awesome yeah because I, I had wondered why they went with that specific color but that does definitely go a long way to explain because yeah it's because uh, lovecraft was uh, at least most people think inspired to write this because he was around in the 1920s right around the time when a lot of scientific breakthroughs were coming through and so around that time people figured out like you said, the human eye can only perceive so many colors on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so there's this massive array of colors that we can't even begin to comprehend. And so people think that in some way that must have inspired him to, to write a story about a, a, a diabolical color from space. <laughs> I mean, it's true. One last thing I had, one last trivia, it has nothing really to do with the movie, but Nick Cage and Richard Stanley both at one point in their life <laughs> at various times have eached have each seeked the holy grail <laughs> not together but like you know at some point in life they went out looking for it be both guys must have had some kind of god complex so they didn't want to die you know they had something to achieve i mean nick yeah. cage does he's the best ever. absolutely <laughs> well he's definitely gonna be immortalized in his work but oh uh, yeah hell yeah that's funny wasn't that the plot of uh, National Treasure Two? Were they looking for the Holy Grail? I don't know. I never seen those terrible movies. I know. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that one of them is after they uh, found what the the Declaration or whatever. Yeah. Well, they found the the Freemasons. Uh, oh right. Treasure or whatever. It's just that the map towards it was on the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. No, I haven't seen those. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Richard Stanley. He's definitely a, a very fascinating guy. He's very well-read and 
just he's one of those guys where he's not somebody he came up from like nothing basically as a film director like all of his early stuff was just independent and he had to save up money even to do the the isle of dr moreau yeah just because he he was just broke basically yeah i remember they exhausted their money early and he had to like pay for it himself sometimes Mm -hmm. anyway wild story go watch it yeah uh, the Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. See that? See Color Out of Space? One of the best movies I've ever seen, at least personally. And that is all we have to say. So, for all of you watching, or listening, I want to thank you for coming into this very special episode. I'm sure uh, our next choice will be a, a bit more lighthearted, a bit more fun, a, a little less serious. But <laughs> don't forget, thank you for listening, and good night. Later! It's just a color. what everyone says until they are. Well, what about me? Living on my father's old farm exactly like I said I never would. But it's the first thing you've ever done he would have approved of. <laughs> yeah, I can still hear his intellectually abusive voice in my head. You're never going to be a painter, Nathan, so you just look out of my sight, Nathan. Stop it. It'll fade. Just look at this place. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't even recognize it. It's ours.